good to have you here today. God bless you. Of course, it's always good to have you guys here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Ah, this is a special day. When my husband and I got married, in fact, before we got married, when we were talking, if you know our love story, we talked on the phone for 18 months before we even asked each other, what do you look like? For 18 months, think about it. I was like, what's wrong with, what was wrong with us? So we got to know each other in the spirit before we even knew each other in person and became one. And one of the very earliest things I remember him on one of those long, long conversations we would have was his love for this man of God who made him who he wants to be like, who he patterns his life after. And that was T.L. Osborne. And when we met, when we got married, as a married couple, I'm sure most people that are married here, you sit down with your new husband and you decide, okay, this is how our lives are going to be. And there were three things we wrote it down, that we are going to be the foundation. We didn't know that we were ever going to be in ministry. There were three things that were going to be the foundation of our life and of our marriage. The first one was intimacy with God. We were going to on our own separately and as individuals and as a couple seek intimacy with God. And the second one was that we were going to obey as much as was within our power the laws and the principles of faith. And then the third thing was we were going to connect by covenant and align with the ministries that we wanted to be like. And of course, our thing was always about soul winning, healing, and equipping the saints. And the first, the person we picked was T.L. Osborne. And so for 30 plus years, we supported this ministry, gave every month, never ever hoping that we'll have this kind of a day. That was why I couldn't sleep last night. I was like, good luck. Are you, are you jumping in heaven? Can you see what's going on? Did you, did you, did you have a hand in doing this? So it's with so much pleasure and with so much joy and with so much honor that I invite you to this pulpit today. Please help me welcome, stand up on your feet and welcome Bishop Ladonna Osborne. bless you. God bless you. Now give the Lord a real praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Please be seated. It's a great honor for me to be here. Pastor Angela, I've made a new friend in you. You were a friend of the ministry. Now, I'm a friend of yours, and it's an honor. I want to say that um, I'm, I became acquainted with your pastor through the ministry and my connection with Pastor Blaze uh, and Esther Tintong. They are our friends in Tulsa, and they're the ones that introduced and said, you've got to meet this woman. They were talking about you. So now I have, and they were right. You are blessed to have a wonderful pastor. <laughs> I have good news for you this morning. I only bring good news. That's what Jesus said to do. Go everywhere and preach good news. So I bring you good news. I really bring you hope. We're living in a day that people need hope. Believers need hope. We get accustomed to circumstance. But we need to have hope. I really bring you a spirit of, of encouragement. I bring you an atmosphere of healing. I bring you a ministry of love and life. I believe that's what Jesus is all about. Can you say amen? amen. I already believe you are part of a wonderful church. 
I'm very comfortable here. I don't like to go into an all-white church. As you can tell already, I'm not all-white. <laughs> I carry a USA passport, but I was not raised in this country. I didn't live in the States until I was 14. I began traveling with my parents at the age of nine months. And we were in the States very little. We didn't have a home here. We had an office, but we didn't have a home. So we traveled the nations of the world. So the world has been my playground. And my friends are people of every nation, every culture. And I consider that a great heritage. It's a great heritage. So you have to, you have to allow for my, um, I won't say weirdness, but uniqueness. You have to, because I'm kind of a, a hodgepodge of everything. But because I wasn't raised in one culture, I have not been overly shaped by a culture. I respect all cultures. I love all cultures. I, I, I learn from all cultures. But Jesus has been the focus of our lives. It was when Jesus appeared to my father after, after years in ministry, evangelistic ministry and pastoral ministry in the States. My folks went to India as missionaries and they failed. Because they could not convince the Hindus and the Muslims that the Bible was God's word, that Jesus was who he claimed to be, that he was the savior of the world. Because the Muslims had their own book, and the Bible book just didn't impress them. So when they asked my father, prove that Jesus is alive, well, my father went right to the Gospels, and, he started, and they said, well, what's that? And he said, well, that's the Bible, the word of God. <laughs> well, this young Muslim man had his own book. He said, no, 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 no. And he showed my father, coincidentally, another black book with gold print on the front, with gold on the edges. And he says, no, no, this is the word of God given to the holy prophet Muhammad. My father, a young man, 21 years old, looks at that book and says, what's that? And so, you see, we had a clash of religion. My father had no proof. And they, he and my mother did a very, very wise thing. I wish many missionaries would do this. They came home. When they could not be effective, they came home. And my father said, you didn't like that, that I said other missionaries should come home. No, I really believe that. If you've been where I've been, you'd agree with me. Because if they cannot have fruit, then they're in the wrong field. Uh-huh. So when my mother and father could not win souls, my father's an evangelist. And the senior missionary said, I've been here 25 years and I've never won a soul to the Lord. Well, right away, my father decided, well, you're not the one to teach me. <laughs> so they came home. And after prayer and studying the word for one year, God began to set in motion circumstances that radically changed my parents and ultimately set a different course for our family and our ministries. We had four generations in the ministry and all in gospel ministry. And that transformation began with the revelation of Jesus when he appeared to my father. My father says, I, I was changed. I was no longer a denominational man. I became a Jesus man. I'm telling you, we are followers of Jesus Christ. He's the one we should really know and understand. He's the one we should emulate. He's the one we should really trust. I appreciate your words about tithing, Pastor, because social media warps everybody's mind. We read something and they use some scriptures or they've got an important name and we just get all crazy. That should not be the case. Let's go back to the word of God. Let's see what the scripture says. So thank you for holding a standard, not for tradition, but for simple truth. Hallelujah. Now I want to preach to you. I want to teach you. I want to, I want to open a door of thinking to you. Are you ready for that? Do you like change? Do you like new ideas? You don't like change. Well, you're honest. <laughs> Most of us don't. But you know, change 
is wonderful. When, when we come to Christ, think about this. When we come to Christ, the change begins. You know it and I know it. We begin by a miracle to become born again, children of God, forgiven, righteous, identified with a new kingdom, a new master, a new family, new DNA. We, all that happens instantly. And everything else starts to change gradually. Think about it. We have to learn new vocabulary. We learn new ways of thinking. We have to learn new behavior. We have to learn to let go of our biases. We have to learn to, 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 to look at our world differently, to look at ourselves differently. Certainly, to look at eternity differently. And so change is a beautiful part of the Christian life. Unfortunately, many of us get to a certain stage of, of change, and then we settle. We learn the doctrines. We, we adapt to the traditions. We learn how to dress and how to talk and how to behave and how to do all the, the Christian things, and we level off. But I challenge you today... I'm 75 years old, and I'm still changing. I'm still changing. You never get too old. Three of you like that. We, you, never get, you never get too old to be transformed because the Scripture says that it's God's plan. It's his, it's his destiny for each of us that we become conformed to the image of Christ. And I don't know about you, but I'm not there yet. So I have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit every day because he's, he's working in those potter's hands and he's shaping me and forming me. And every new thing that comes along, I have to learn. How, does, how do we look at this as people of God? How do we respond to this? What is our reaction? Do we care? Are we involved in this? Do we have an answer for this problem? So you see, we're continually in the classroom with Jesus Christ learning how to look out to our world. I I posted something this morning that um, was really simple. It says, every one of us, for followers of Christ, we need to live with a mirror, with a window, and with a footpath. We must continually be honest about who we are and not hide behind a religious curtain or, or a fake self-image, whether it's too wonderful or too horrible. No, we have to know who we are. We look at ourselves honestly through the Word of God. And then we need a window. We can't hide in our sanctuaries and our Christian cubicles. We have to look out into our world and know what's going on. And then we don't just look and observe and criticize or have an opinion. No, we get out there. We put on our shoes and we walk. We go. We make a difference. We invest ourselves in the world around us that's hurting. Now, that's my introduction. I want to just give you a little minute to figure out if you can hear my accent and if if you're going to be okay. And I've already told Pastor Angela she didn't sleep last night, so she can't sleep now. She missed her chance. (laughs) Tonight is coming. Tonight is coming. My message title today is a little strange. It's simply from now on, dot, dot, dot. Cool, isn't it? From now on. I want to read to you a passage of Scripture, two, two in fact. The first is from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And I'm beginning at verse 12. These are Jesus' words. Most assuredly, I say to you, and allow me to to broaden the gender references. I like to read from the New King James. But because I've studied the biblical languages and because English is a very uh, gender-biased language, you know, if you talk about all the people, you can say men. But women feel left out. So let's just, let's just fix it as we go. I say to you, the one who believes in me, women, do you appreciate that? You don't. 
Well, if you've been where I do, you'd appreciate being included. <laughs> if the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he or she will do also. And greater works than these will they do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Is that bold? Very bold. Let's go now to First Peter. Chapter 2, and let's read verse 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the example that we have in Jesus. We thank you for life and purpose. Thank you that you never abandon your people, but you've trusted us with your big work in this world. So now we've gathered in your name. We know you're here. We've gathered to learn, to worship, to participate through our giving, through our, through our singing, through our focus on you. Now we come around your word. Speak to us. And may our hearts be open to receive, to have new thoughts, and to apply truth in our lives so that you can be expressed through us in our generation. In Jesus' name, everyone say, Amen. Amen. These two passages, they, 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 they both are filled with impossible things, such big things. I wonder how the first hearers even received them. I wonder if they thought, hmm, how can that be? You, you know, how many Jews thought, no, I'm a royal priesthood? How many women who heard that thought they could ever be part of the priesthood? How many non-Levites could ever be part of the priesthood? You understand what I'm thinking. We have to put ourselves in the, in, the, in the seat of the first hearers and see how radical it really is. And Jesus is saying, you can ask anything in my name and I'll do it. I am aware. Allow me to just say this, and I, I don't want to drag you into the past. But I'm, I've, I know what loss is, and I understand that you've lost uh, one of your founding pastors. I understand that. And wh- one thing I want to say about that to you. There are things that happen in life we don't understand. But we do what we know to do and we do it faithfully. And that number one is trusting God. But we must be careful when there are disappointments to our prayers and our expectations, when we have those kind of experiences, we have to be careful not to learn to live bracing for the worst. Do you understand? But blow after blow after blow, and pretty soon you just, I don't know what's coming next. That enemy sure is after me. And we learn to brace ourselves and almost expect the worst. Just don't do that. Don't do that. God has not changed. His word has not changed. Our faith still matters. It's a decision we make. It's a, it's a commitment, a resolve, and we trust God. Let's talk about these impossible things. Because my suggestion to you is something happened that's recorded in Scripture that from now on, everything is different. And that's what we're going to look at. It's what we're talking about is the most significant, what I'll call shift in responsibility that has ever happened. And I'm going to take you to Acts chapter one. Let's just ponder this a little bit. You all know this very well. We know that after the resurrection, Jesus showed himself alive for 40 days, preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. 
giving instruction. And then he was being assembled. I'm starting at verse 4. Together with them, his followers, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard about it from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I'm answering the question, how can these impossible things really happen? Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, are you able on the screen to show two verses? Will it, if you show six, seven, eight, will it hold all of that? Probably not. Okay, well, if you have your Bibles in front of you, or you'll just trust me, I'm going to tell you what it says. In verse 7, I'm talking about the shift in responsibility. Look at this. They said, Lord, will you? Now, in my Bible, I have will you highlighted and circled. Because that was their question after everything. Will you now? Imagine, for the years of his public ministry, three and a half years, many of these had followed Jesus, and they had watched him. He had forgiven sinners. He had included the outcast. He had touched the contagion of the leper. He had healed the sick. He had shown compassion. He had cast out evil spirits. He had calmed the storm. He had fed a multitude. He had done amazing things. And they were recognizing him, this must be the one. So it seems natural that now they would ask, will you now? What's next? What are you going to do next? Now, is it kingdom time? Now, all that we've been expecting, now we're going to get rid of the Romans? Now, can we rule ourselves? Is now the time? What did Jesus say? And this is where we have to come down to eight. And in my Bible, I have two words highlighted and circled. And a line between the two drawn. Jesus said, but you shall receive power. So we go from the will you to his words, you shall. You shall. Huge. This is huge. It shifts everything. And that's what we have to talk about and unlock this a bit for ourselves. This was a shift from Jesus doing all the work in the physical realm to his followers filled with his spirit. Jesus referred to as the promise of the Father, doing the very same things, picking up the ministry, doing the greater things, going into all the world, multiplying the presence of God in the earth. It's huge. Ever since Pentecost, God's work on earth has been done through people. Yes, of course, with the Holy Spirit. But think about it. Of course, God can do what he wants to do. He does amazing things that we hear about, and they're just awesome, with dreams and visions and all kinds of supernatural things. But basically, he has delegated through his Spirit what? All that Jesus began to do and teach. Very simple. You know, when I was 14, I was sent to a boarding Bible school here in Texas, as a matter of fact. And that was my first time to really live in America. And I was around all of these uh, presumably Christian young people. All older than me, of course. But, but still, this was, this was a group of, of people that served the Lord, presumably. I learned a lot. And one of the things that was interesting to me, and I bought into it, 
was all of these young people, they would go to the prayer room at night or they would stay after chapel and they would groan and pray asking for God's will. Because they're young and they want to know what to do with their lives. What is your will? Where do you want me to do? What do you, where do you want me to go? Have you ever been there? You know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's passion behind it and great sincerity. And, of course, I groaned like the rest of them. And I was so curious and anxious to know what God would have me do. I've learned a lot about that. But one of the things that pretty soon began to kind of stop me, began to challenge me, because I, we, our family had family devotions with the scripture every day of my life. We sat and we would take turns reading when we were old enough to read. When we were, weren't old enough to read, we were old enough to listen. Before we were old enough to listen, we were old enough to sit still. <laughs> and so we had devotions and prayer every single morning. So I knew the scripture. And I thought, well, you know, the scripture is pretty clear. Jesus told us what to do. So that's what we should do. We don't need to pray for what to do. We do what he said to do. Sounds naive, doesn't it? Let's come back to the fundamentals. I love that this is a soul-winning church, that you care about the loss. I love your banners. You've got a vision before your eyes every day. This is, this is July. How many of you got one already? Congratulations. How many got two already? Look at you. See, that's what it takes is a goal. And then you take it personally and you ask the Lord to help you. You be instead of thinking, oh, I don't know. I can't think of anybody. I don't know what I'll do. I don't really have time How in the world. They won't listen. Instead of all that mental dialogue, just say, Lord, help me and open my eyes to people around me that are ready. It's simple. It's simple. So this is what I'm saying to you, that what Jesus commissions are so simple. His instructions are so simple. So since Pentecost, we have been the custodians. We've been the agents of salvation. We have been the voices of good news. We have been the demonstrations of the kingdom of God. We have been the hope-filled people in the midst of hopelessness. And decadence, we're the righteous ones who do not condemn or berate, but we're the ones who embrace and love and forgive and give solution. Mm. There are two fundamentals in our faith. I'm coming to Pentecost. That's really my message. <laughs> but there are two fundamentals. I want, to just, I want to just mention these. They're so profoundly important. Number one is who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. I find that's one of the truths that's the least understood in the American church. I'm sorry. Most of our material, whether it's online, through courses, through publications, any, any method we have of, of conveying truth, it's centered around the redemptive work of Christ. And that really means what did God want in the beginning? How did the enemy foul it? What did God do through Christ to fix it? And what does that mean to us today? That's the gospel. Those are the factors that we really need to understand. Who are we in Christ? We're not what we were. Devil's been defeated. He has no more claims over us. So we're not that. What are we? Well, we come back to the cross and we begin to discover who we are and then we learn how to apply all of that in our life to a hurting world. The other great principle in the Christian faith is, who is Christ in us? How many times in Paul's writings does he talk about you being in Christ? And then he talks about Christ being in you, your new identity. You're the body of Christ. You're the temple of God. All things that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You who are, you've put on Christ, your new creation. All of, it's, it's all, it's both, it's both. These are two fundamentals. They're both wor worth great study and application. But you see, Pentecost was, was the finale. It was the final act so that the plan of God from the garden could be fulfilled. 
Genesis 2, 7, when God breathed into the lifeless form his breath. When he breathed his life, his breath, his spirit, his will, his, his energy, his essence, all that God is was part of that breath in the Hebrew. It's, it's very, very clear. Breathe that and the, and the form became a living being. That was always God's will, that him, he would live in us. Well, of course, sin messed that up. That, that could no longer happen. All through the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would rest on the prophets or on kings or certain people to do certain things. But they were never filled with his Spirit. They didn't just walk away from that event still full of the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. Do you understand what we have access to? It's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. I believe that from the time of Pentecost, we who are spirit-filled believers become an extension of the incarnation of God in the earth. You see, that goes against our grain. I talked about change. We don't like that because we want somebody else to be in charge. We want somebody else to have all the answers. We want somebody else to hear from God and just tell us what he said. The Israelites were the same way. The Lord said, call them all, let them come. Cleanse themselves, come. Moses told them, get ready. Sanctify yourselves and come. God wants to talk to you. They said, no, 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 no. You go. You go. You go and whatever he tells you, come back and tell us and we'll do it. Well, that didn't work. But you see, the instinct to not want to take responsibility for what we have. And who we are through the suffering of Jesus Christ. Oh. So what happened on the day of Pentecost? Well, we already know that when Jesus came, Acts 10.38, if you want the reference, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, quote it with me if you want to, with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Have you ever put your name in that? God anointed LaDonna Osborne with the Holy Spirit and power. And she went about over a hundred nations now, doing good, healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people, for God is with her. Put yourself in the scripture. It's all about you because of what Christ has done. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So Jesus had given instructions. Go to Jerusalem. Wait. There's a promise yet to be fulfilled for you. They went to Jerusalem. According to the scripture in Acts 1, 120 120, after three and a half years of ministry, 120. <laughs> but don't get discouraged when more than 120 don't follow you. <laughs> 120 stuck with Jesus. And they stayed together for 10 days. Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. So they stayed together. And interestingly, the Pentecost that was, um, that was celebrated, that we have through the Greek influence, we call it Pentecost, for the Jewish people, that's a Shavuot, Shavuot, and that is the celebration, look at this parallel, this is the celebration of God giving the law to Moses on Sinai, very important to the Jewish people, but Pentecost, the same day the Shavuot, the Jews were in Jerusalem for their celebration. We read about it and we experience it, that God's not giving the law, he's giving his spirit. Hey, that's pretty cool. So different. It's not, we don't have a law system, we have a power system. Ah. So in chapter 2, we know it. We all could all Pentecostals can quote this by heart on when the day of Pentecost was fully come. (laughs) 
They were all gathered in one place in one accord, and there came a sound like a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were. And cloven tongues like fire sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And all those who were gathered in Jerusalem, all these different nationalities, they all were hearing. What were they hearing? They were hearing the wonderful works of God in their own language. If you ever wonder what the Holy Spirit will say through you, it will be the wonderful works of God. And you'll say it in a way that people can hear you, can understand you. We don't go out there and talk churchies. We don't talk our churchy language. We go out there and talk the language of the street. We talk the language of hurting people. We talk the language of people that are fearful or in bondage or addicted or lost. We know how to talk their language. We go out there and and quote big important King James and, you know, set them straight and uh, offer something. It's not going to do any good. That's not what will get your people into this place. You show them that you care and that we have solution here. This is a place of healing. This is a place of comfort. This is a place where hope can be renewed. When people have had loss, hope can be restored. When they have, have, been, have had pain and, and the fear that goes with that, they can be healed. Healing is in this house. Hallelujah. You know, I just, I dare you in the name of Jesus. Can I do that? I don't know if that's okay. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm go- I dare you. You know, the enemy has attacked this house with sickness. Isn't it true? I'm not making that up, am I? No, he's attacked this house. Make the devil pay. Let this church be known as a healing church. Where the things that are impossible for people are possible for God. Where the enemy discovers that in this house, he has no say-so. He can't threaten anybody. No, no, because we know he's defeated. All he has left is a mouth. He has no teeth. He only has a lie. Let this place be known for the sick can come and they can receive healing by the stripes of Jesus. Make the devil pay. I've got to get to Pentecost. All those there received the Holy Spirit, they began to speak. And, of course, those who heard, they didn't understand. The world doesn't understand. But Peter stood up. He was the coward. He was the one who would, who would speak up with the wrong thing most of the time. He, he, he didn't have a, a stout character. But here, in the midst of this criticism, he was now a new man. And he stood up and he says, oh, no, no, these are not drunk as you suppose. This is what the prophet Joel spoke about. Let's read it together. Joel two twenty-eight and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, how many times have you read that? Lots. I want to just show you something. Because I'm focusing on the... From now on, from now on what? Well, if you want to believe what happened on the day of Pentecost, from now on, there are no special, elevated, privileged people. Yeah, I'm a bishop. I have all the trappings of a bishop. I oversee more than a thousand churches. I'm no more special than the person on the street. Because Pentecost has come. 
Why do I say that? Because God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And I want to tell you, as a classic Pentecostal, when the Holy Spirit began being poured out on the Charismatics, you know, they became Charismatics. They were Catholics. They were Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopal, Baptist, Methodist. When that started happening, we lost our claim to fame. We were the Pentecostals. We were the only ones who had this power and these tongues and this holiness. Boy, did God rip the carpet out from under us. He gave his spirit to those folks that we didn't like. You know, those people that smoke cigarettes. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, can't, I, I watched them. And then they're going in and they're worshiping the Lord, talking in tongues and ministering in the gifts of the spirit to one another. A phenomenon. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. All flesh. Think about it. The spirit didn't just come to the twelve apostles. Didn't just come to the Levites. Didn't just come to men. I could tell you stories of evangelists saved in our evangelism festivals. They're saved. They're trained. And they go out immediately as missionaries to other countries. Do you hear me? They didn't get ordained. They didn't go to Bible school. They didn't get a special title. They never heard what reverend was. They just knew the Bible. Jesus said, go to all the world and preach the gospel. I remember one who came from Kenya, and he walked across the border to Tanzania. And, and he, the, the guard said, well, where's your passport? He said, well, I don't have a passport. Well, you don't have a visa? No, I don't have a visa. And he argued and argued, well, Peter Mamakanji, he opened up the Bible to, to Mark 16. He says, this is my visa. And he told his testimony. He had been a cripple on the streets of Nakuru, Kenya. And, and he, he, said, he, said, he said, so this is the man who healed me. And he would demonstrate to the guard how he drug his body on the, in the dirt. And he said, look, look at me. I'm strong now. And this is what the one who healed me told me to do. After all day of arguing, the man let him through. <laughs> it wasn't special. He went there. After one month, he came back to the pastor in, 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 in Kenya. And he says, do you remember me? The pastor didn't. And he said, well, I'm the one that got Jesus healed, healed my legs. And he sent me to Tanzania. I've been there for, three, for, for one month. And there are three places we have 300 converts, you need to now go send pastors. Now, would he have qualified in most of our churches? No. But they were so busy with desperate people, they couldn't control everything. May we get so busy with hurting people that we can't control everything. Now, yeah, we have a home church, and I know all the problems that I'm stirring up. We live with, they live with me. <laughs> I'm just saying, let's think new. Let's break, break down some walls. I'm just showing you. From now on, you don't have to be a special privileged person. From now on, you don't have to have a certain gender. The Bible says, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. If men and women receive the Holy Spirit, men and women can do everything that Jesus said and did. Any hindrance is culture, is secular, is religion. That's not the Holy Spirit way. Oh, I don't want to be the one that stands before the Lord to say, no, we wouldn't let the women. When Jesus said, look at the harvest field. It's ripe for harvest. Just pray the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers. We say, but not you women. Lord, help us. I know that's not the case here, but surely, did you, show, did you see the post on your church Facebook about today? My picture, that nice ad. Anybody read the comment? Uh-huh. It was pretty fiery, wasn't it? Wow, did they set me straight. You ought to just look it up. Follow your church on Facebook. You'll learn stuff. <laughs> from now on, from now on, 
Anyone who restricts women from doing anything in the kingdom of God is wrong. And they'll answer for it. Uh So from now on, there's no special privileged person. There's no special gender. I could give you a whole list of women doing phenomenal things in the kingdom of God, not the least of which is your pastor right here. From now on, there's no more age status. Yeah, you appreciated that one. (laughs) Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. We need the old. We need our wisdom. We need our experience. We need our encouragement. We need the young. We need their, I'll have to say that because it's not me anymore, but we need their creativity. We need their energy. We need their passion. We need them. We need each other. Both young and old must work together, both under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Thank you, Jesus. My father was in his 90th year when he finally laid down and stopped breathing. He wasn't sick. He had no pain. About two days, he weakened, and he just laid down, smiled, stopped breathing. And now I'm dealing with a man in Rwanda right now who has a vision for the refugee camps. He's 25 years old. Came out of the camps, and he has a huge vision That he is working in and it's working. Look, from old to young, the work of the kingdom depends on all of us. You're never too old. Come on, people. And you're never too young. I was seven years old when I gave my life to Christ. Had a dramatic conversion. I was nine years old when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I've never looked back. Yeah, I thought that was wonderful, too. From now on, there is no more social class. Because the Holy Spirit is being poured out on the men servants and the maid servants, the lowest on the echelon of a society's strata. They have the same thing that those presumably on the highest level have. Has nothing to do with wealth, has nothing to do with education, has nothing to do with accomplishment. It has to do with do you know Jesus and have you received his spirit and you've got it all. You understand you've got it all. Why do we depreciate the Holy Spirit? You remember my father is a hero in his own lifetime, a legend in his lifetime. Almost any country you go to, his name is a household word. Of course, he never knew he was special. He never even understood how much he was loved. But people would come up until the day he passed. People would come and want him to lay hands on them and impart to them. He would want, and they would say, I want to, usually these young men want a double portion. (laughs) I mean, anything you can do, I can do better. (laughs) And my father was gracious. But he, as he got older, he wasn't quite as kind. But he would, he would just say, well, you, don't, you don't need what I have. And that double portion, that's Old Testament. Single portion, double portion, that's Old Testament. What you have is Jesus. You've got the same thing I have. Just use it. That's what I do. I do it. I do what he said do. Do what he said do. You've got it. You see, how many times are we... Needing something extra. We'll run to some conference where they're having something special. I'm careful of the words I use because I don't know what kind of things you have here. <laughs> My point is, yeah, I use those words too when I want to gather people. But I'm just saying, we as individuals need to know who we are. And we need to know who we have. And we need to know that with God, all things are possible and we can ask anything in his name and we'll have it. Everything we do as ambassadors of his kingdom, we're speaking for the kingdom of God. We're speaking for the king. We have the same authority. We have the same power. 
unless we don't think we do. So we have to remind ourselves continually, continually. The final one, from now on, there are no sacred or special places. This is amazing to me. This is the world I've lived in. This is a beautiful sanctuary. We have a beautiful church. But there's no special place. There's no more holy place. Think about this. When the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, did not come in the synagogue, did not come into the Holy of Holies. Can you hear me? That's not where he came. He came to an ordinary house in an ordinary room. (laughs) I'm just suggesting we think new. So what happened? The ordinary people filled with the Holy Spirit became the holy place. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Don't you know that you are the temple of God? And that word is the same word that is referenced in the Old Testament as the holiest of holies. You are where God dwells. You are where the mercy has been extended. You are where the law has been written in your heart. You are the place of his holy presence. You are holy. There is nothing holy except people. Oh, Jesus, help us. We, my friends, from, from, our, from our place, yes, we are the church. Yes, singly and corporately, we are the church. We are the carriers of the life of Jesus Christ. And from that position, his throne seat in our hearts, he governs his work on earth. How wonderful every morning to wake up and say, Lord, just guide me today. I'm going to go to work, but while I'm at work, what am I going to do? I've got to take care of my kids, but while I'm doing that, what shall I do for you? So that we're mindful every day, we're, we're, we're agents of the heavenly director. And his will is very clear. And he will use us to accomplish it. Don't be afraid to pray for the sick. Don't be afraid to offer to pray for someone. People rarely refuse prayer. Don't be afraid to speak up. But let it be with love and with compassion. Mm, okay, I have to be done. There's no, no special privilege, no special gender, no certain age. Too bad, I wanted to be special. No special social status. You don't know how to take me, do you? You all must be very sober around here. Well, let's have some fun. <laughs> There's no special or sacred place. And if you want to, to prove it, Turn the page to Acts chapter 3, and what did Peter and John do? They just went, like an ordinary day, into the temple as they always did. And there was a beggar. And he was wanting a donation, a dash. But what did Peter say? I don't have any money, but what I have, I can give. That is our motto. What we have, we can give. Who we have, we can give. I'm consumed with who I have. Overrides everything else. Overrides what I do. The doing is not important. It's what I am is important to the kingdom of God. And in knowing who you are, you do stuff. That's what they did. He says, but in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. Gave him his hand and immediately... His ankle bones received strength. And he went leaping and jumping and praising God. And what an altar call Peter made that day. Do you hear me? I want to just say, I could tell you many testimonies of healing, deliverance, amazing things you would hardly believe. I don't have time. But I will encourage you, believe in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I know this is a Holy Spirit church. Believe in who you have. Believe. Desire to be a vessel useful by the Holy Spirit. Desire the boldness that Peter received. Desire the change of personality that I received. I was a timid little girl. I hid behind my mother's skirt. 
When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, things changed. Believe. Don't just say, well, I'm timid. No. Say, but no, I have the Holy Spirit. Or I need to be refilled because I didn't get it all. I want to be bold. I don't want to be timid. I don't want to be insecure. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be ashamed. So don't forget who you are in Christ. Make the devil pay. He comes, he comes to, to, to plague you. Just remind him. That's what I do. That's what I do. There's one, there was one weekend. It was on Friday. And I, I stepped off of a curb and did something to my ankle. So I went to the chiropractor. He x-rayed. He says, well, you've broken your ankle and the bones in your foot in multiple places. He says, there's not much I can do for you, but go home, prop it up, put it on ice. I did that. I, all Saturday, I just did what the doctor said. And uh, went to bed that night with my foot all propped up. My husband prayed for me. I prayed. And then I went to sleep. The next day was Sunday, and I was scheduled to preach at our church. So I forgot about it. And as soon as the alarm went off, I got up. And when I put my weight on that foot, I'm telling you the pain. You've had such an injury, you know, just goes right up to your brain. And immediately I got mad. You know, don't lose your mad. (laughs) I said, right out loud, I woke up my poor husband. I said, devil, who do you think you are? You cannot attack this body. This body belongs to God. And I said, so leave in Jesus' name. I did it out of instinct. Just a reflex. I, I promise you, I wasn't having a big spiritual dip. It was just, uh, it was, I mean, rise. It was just, uh, it, it was just reflexive. That's what faith becomes. When you exercise it, it becomes, well, and the devil, you know, he just, gives up on you. He'll go somewhere else because you're no fun. Immediately, the pain left. Are you hearing me? Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name. I didn't really even ask. I just told the devil where to go. We had a man in our church and his favorite phrase was, to hell with the devil. (laughs) I always thought that was kind of funny. I can only use it when I'm talking about him, though. <laughs> so I'm telling you today, I believe God has brought me to you as a gift. I'm a friend. I'm one of you. I'm an encourager. I'm proof to you. When the devil comes and lies to you, you just say, but wait, wait. That can't be true because you tell him, you tell him that can't be. Because we've learned you're defeated. Jesus is the Lord and he lives in me and he's given me his authority and all things are possible to the one who believes. Stand to your feet. What do you need this morning? Now, you know, I love to, I'm, I'm an evangelist at heart, but I can do other things. I can teach. I can apostle. What else can I do? I can pastor. I can do all those things, but I love to evangelize. I'm most at home with sinners because they're not safe around me. What I have is so contagious that they just come into the kingdom. I believe. You see, I believe that lost people want Jesus. Some people don't believe that. They think, well, people don't want to hear what I say. They're tired of hearing religious stuff. They're already biased. They won't, they'll just turn me off. Well, so what? So what? Reevaluate your approach. But I believe that they want to see me coming. I believe as soon as I walk in their atmosphere, they know something's different about me. I believe that the Spirit of Christ in me is contagious and that He emits and He knows the human heart and He knows exactly what's going on in that life and He will speak through me and bring comfort and hope and good news, a new beginning. I believe that. 
Watch what you believe. Believe, believe, believe you can reach that goal. Believe. If it's two for this, how many months? Three, six months? Two people in six months. That's very modest. (laughs) Well, next time make it more. (laughs) Make the devil pay. You understand? Well, I'm going to pray for you. I believe that when you hear a message like this, this is not a message, this is not an evangelistic message. If there are those of you that need to receive Jesus Christ, he stands before you with open arms and he says, whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. If you need him, you don't have to come through an application or an inquisition and you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be good. All you need to do is hear the voice that calls you and respond to him and then live for him and no one else. So there are people here that will minister to you. Hang around. I'm happy to minister to you, but I'm not going to stop the service for that. That is your choice. You cannot have this Holy Spirit power without first receiving the one whose spirit is being given to you. But there are others of you. I want you to know you're included in this prayer. You've gotten kind of cold in your service to the Lord. You've, maybe you've gotten a little religious. And you, you, have this, you have this thinking of the, all the things you're supposed to do to be holy enough. And none of it really appeals to you. And you've kind of lost that zeal. You've lost the freshness of, of doing things in the name of the Lord. Today I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Others of you, full of the Holy Spirit, you're passionate, you're on fire. I'm going to pray for you too. Because everything that we have needs to be focused. Let's ask the Lord to give us clear focus. Clear application. That we don't just waste our energy without direction. Can we do that? So just lay your hand on your heart. Let me pray for you. You listen. Believe. God will meet you right now. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for who you are. We're so thankful that you have come to us in your great salvation. Thank you that we are new creatures in Christ. All things have passed away. Now all things are new. And we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Thank you for that. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the generosity of heaven that is determined to fulfill the plan of God from the beginning that your breath can be breathed in us and we can do what you modeled through Jesus Christ. So, Father, as we stand in this place, if there are those who are making a new commitment to you right now, meet them. Whisper your encouragement. May they have a new energy. May they have a new excitement about their faith. Those that have not and have not been kind of cold in their, in their faith, Father, today, turn the fire up. May today they feel your presence. Surprise them. With your wonderful presence. And Father, for all of us who say to the world, we have received the Spirit of God. And we can do and say what Jesus modeled for us. Oh, Father, may that truth be quickened in us. May the restrictions and the walls and the biases melt away. So that we stand as one body in Jesus Christ. Winning our world, winning our community, being a house of hope and healing in Cyprus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you destine from this place. Begin here and go to the ends of the world. Oh, I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. And now we worship you. We receive. We stand in your presence. And we worship you. We worship you. Can you sing some song? A song of worship, yes. Far and wind, come and do it again. Open up the gates, let heaven on in. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Far and wind, come and do it again. Open up the gates, let heaven on in. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. You move, you make my heart.
this morning. Oh God, we thank you. Oh God, we thank you. What an awesome, awesome message. Oh, Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit. Ah. Shandereboka. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Ah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bishop, we've been talking about matters of the Spirit. And just again, confirmation about the direction the Lord is leading us. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. And we're going to continue next week in that same vein. We can't do it on our power. We don't have whatever it takes. Without him, we are absolutely nothing. It's going to be by his spirit. And that's what would take us to do the bold things. Because it's the power that is behind that word of God. The, uh, please yeah, pass out the offering envelopes for... Y'all be seated, please be seated.